Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Your Mystery Theater presents... into the fourth dimension, into the realm of a world in which the past, present, and future are one, and time moves forward and backward in erratic and unexpected ways. It is the frightening experience of reaching for an explanation where no explanation is possible. Would you like to sit down? You look as though you were going to kill No. No, uh, I'm all right. You sure? No, I'm anything but sure. A few minutes ago, I thought I had everything under control. No, no, I'm not sure of anything. I I thought I lived here. You're wrong about that. Do you think you might have had a a stroke? No, there's nothing physically the matter with me. I I just feel lost. I don't understand it. Lost. drama, Between Two Mirrors, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sidney Sloan and stars Marion Seldes. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It was a day like any other day for James Horton. He had left his modest suburban home that morning to go to his job in the city. He had worked a full day and left his office at three minutes after five, missing his 5.15 commuter train. He made a quick call to his wife, telling her he would be late and boarded the 5.28 instead. As a result, he missed riding with his usual fellow commuters. That was all to the good, he thought, and promptly fell asleep. He woke just as his train was pulling into his station got off and walked home, paying little or no attention to the ambulance and emergency vehicles clustered around the station. It was always a pleasant walk. It was a day like any other day for James Horton. A good day. And Judy was waiting. Fine. Key doesn't work. Something the matter with the lock. Oh, well, always something. ask you the same question. I'm... Well, this is my house. I live here. I'm afraid there's some mistake. Well, there's no mistake. This is 325 Laurel Drive, isn't it? That's right. Well, I live here. Been living here 12 years. June 1st will be 13 years. I don't know what your game is, mister. I've been living in this house with my wife and family nearly five years. House from Mrs. Hort. You... What? House from Mrs. James Horton. N- no, you couldn't have. 
I don't know what's going on. I'm in the middle of dinner. No, if you don't mind. No, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't shut the door. I'm James Horton. You must be joking. I left this morning to go to work. Please, you must be confused, mistaken. I've lived in this house with my wife, Judith, for almost 13 years. I left this morning to go to work. You never left here this morning. Couldn't have. I've lived here five years, since 1981. But this is 1981. Here, look at my newspaper. I bought this this morning as I boarded the train to go to work. Look, look at the date. September 14, 1981. Hey, you've got a five-year-old newspaper, mister. This is 1986. I bought it this morning. What are you trying to do? I, I live here. Ask anyone around. They know me. There, next door, Harold and Peggy Schoenfield. Uh, on the other side, our neighbors, George and Mary Bendick. Moved away three, four years ago. How could they? How could all of this have changed since I left for work this morning? Something's the matter with your clock, mister. There's five years you can't account for. Five years? Where's Judy? What's happening? Uh, Would you like to come in and sit down? Uh, No, no, I'm all right. I'll get you a glass of water. Yes, uh, a glass of water. Thank you. I'm James Horton, huh? I live here. Yeah, 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 of course. I suddenly feel lost. I I don't understand it. Lost. And then he... He stopped talking. May I suggest that you go back to bed and try to get some rest? Uh, Take one of those pills I prescribed. Uh, It'll let you sleep. You come and see me tomorrow. It's only because you insisted so vehemently that I'm doing this, Mrs. Horton. 
I can't see what purpose can be served by seeing your husband. I must see him, Doctor. Hearing him last night was so disconcerting. Yeah, you need reassurance. Uh, Of course. But visiting him won't be very helpful. I really can't understand how seeing him with all that life-sustaining apparatus is going to be very reassuring, Mrs. Horton. I must see him. Yes, well, here we are. Right through this door. There he is. Jim? He can't hear you. And if he could, he couldn't respond. All his bodily functions depend on that machine. Without it, he couldn't live. When can the machine be removed? I must be honest with you, Mrs. Horton. At the time of the accident, he... Well, let me put it this way. Your husband suffered severe brain damage. I'm afraid it's irreversible. No. No. I think it better for you to face this now. But but you're wrong, Doctor. He's he's breathing. He's alive. Your husband is breathing because that machine is making him breathe. His heart is beating, his blood circulating. In fact, his very life depends entirely on the sophisticated computerized equipment that you see before you. He called me. I heard his voice. I know his voice. In your present state, Mrs. Horton. I heard him. He called my name. Very well. You say he called your name. Now consider this calmly. Could he have called your name? Could he have had any possible means of reaching you? Well, I... I've heard of telepathy. Perhaps you don't believe in it. Perhaps you call it nonsense. I don't know if I believe in it. I never had before. But I heard him. He spoke to me. Well, perhaps there is such a thing, telepathy. Doctor, please don't tell me there's no hope. He is alive, isn't he? Say it. There has been severe brain damage. You said irreversible, that he wouldn't recover. Well, I don't believe that. I can't. Jim will come back to me. I know. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Oh, not a thing. I just got Harold off for work and I'm having a second cup of coffee. Will you join me? Oh, I, I don't want to bother you. I, I just thought I needed a little company. Oh, of course. No bother at all. Sit down, dear. Coffee's hot. I just made a fresh pot. Danish, too? No, just coffee. Thank you. You know, Judy, I've always thought of myself and Harold as good neighbors of yours. You and Jim. You are, Peggy. Thanks. And yet you haven't once called on us for help. You've been all alone in your house next door for three weeks I just couldn't. The shock of it all, it just made me want to uh, shut myself in and... Stew on it. uh, Rub salt in the wound to make yourself suffer. Is that it? It's... It's just been a traumatic experience. You, you you see your husband go off to work in the morning, and then... You know, Harold was on the train that evening. The 
one that Jim usually took. The 515. Jim called me just as he was leaving. He said he'd missed the 515. He was taking the 528. Judy, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have started on that. No, I, I came over to talk to you about it. I need your advice and your help. If I can. The doctor has spoken to me several times. About Jim's condition? Yes. He seems to be asking me to make a decision. A decision that I find almost beyond my strength to make. A decision? What, what kind of decision? He tells me, or he's been trying to tell me, that Jim will not recover. Oh, Judith, dear. Maybe he's wrong. His brain no longer responds. He's kept alive by machines. And if they stop, the rest of him will die. What does he want you to do? The doctor. He wants me to give the word to stop the machine. He wants you to let him die? Well, he wasn't quite as blunt as that. No. No, no, Judith. You mustn't even think of it. It would be with you the rest of your life. The guilt, the knowledge that, that you would... No. Put it from your mind. Just let matters take the course they must take. Don't take on that terrible responsibility. You mustn't. The doctor's waiting for the answer. Well, it must be no. It is no. Of course. I've heard from Jim. What? You don't believe me? Well, I... If you say you've heard from him, I... I believe you. You think I'm losing my grip on reality? Oh, no. Dear Judy, after all you've been through in the last few weeks... The other night I was wakened by a phone call. It must have been two or three in the morning. Jim was calling. What? What did he say? He told me he, he was taking the 528 that he'd missed the earlier train. You heard him... Just the other night, and I immediately called the doctor to tell him. Oh, Judith, no, no. You were dreaming. I was wide awake. The telephone woke me. If you say so, of course you're distressed. Who wouldn't be? Look, the coffee's all cold. I'm going to put the pot back on the stove and we'll have another cup. Oh, get that for me, Judy, will you? Hello? Familiar order is interrupted, distorted, reversed. 
Then all our chronological rules and measurements lose their meaning, and events could move back and forth in our time structure in irrational and frightening ways. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. has heard the voice of her husband calling her on the telephone to tell her that he will take a later train. It is the identical call she received three weeks before, and she knows that he is physically incapable of making this second call. Is it an illusion, or is it a recurring time echo that will repeat itself ad infinitum? It is the next day, and a troubled Mrs. Horton receives a caller... Mrs. Horton? Yes? You are expecting me. I'm Harry Corbin. I don't believe I... Michael Hendricks sent me. It's about this house you have for sale. For sale? You know Mr. Hendricks, don't you? He's the real estate agent in town on Court Street. Of course I know Mr. Hendricks. He's the man who sold us this house a little over 13 years ago, I think it was. 13 years? Oh, I think he's closer to 15. He looked it up for me. I made a note of it. Uh, here it is. I wrote it down. Uh, you took title on June 1st, 1968. This is 83. 15 years. 1983? <laughs> well, it... Can I come in? Yes. C- come in. Now, would you please tell me what this is all about? Okay. I'll start all over again, Mrs. Horton. Mr. Hendricks sent me here to look at your house, which you have up for sale. Yes, you said that, but there must be some mistake. He is your agent, ain't he, Mr. Hendricks? Oh, he's more than that, Mr. Well, Corbett, Harry Corbett. Mr. Corbett, Mike Hendricks has become something of a, a family friend in the last 13 years. I, I see, and, and, and you haven't put this house on the market? No, we love this place. We wouldn't sell it. It's our first and only house. We've been very happy here. I just spoke to Mr. Hendricks about, well, not 30 minutes ago. I can't understand it. This is, this is 325 Laurel, isn't it? That's right. But I didn't put this house up for sale. Would you care to call Mr. Hendricks on our phone? It's right over there. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, I can't understand it. Why, why should he tell me to, to come here? Hello? Uh, Hendricks? Uh, Harry Corbett. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. Uh, there seems to be something of a mix-up. Mrs. Horton says she doesn't know anything about it. She did? Well, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's right here. Uh, uh, Mrs. Horton, Mr. Hendricks would like to talk to you. Yes, of course. Yes, Mike? That idea. I never told you I wanted to stop. What? Two days ago? Well, no. I, I wouldn't have done anything like that without first talking it over with Jim. You you know, don't you, that Jim's in the hospital? That was the reason I gave? That I needed the money for Dr. Bill. Mike, I have no recollection of that. As far as the money goes, I haven't even received a bill from the hospital. 
or even a doctor yet. Well, we have very good medical insurance. Mike, I don't know anything about... All right. Thank you. Yes, he's still here. I'll put him on. Mr. Hendricks wants to speak to you again. Oh, thanks. Uh, Yeah, Mr. Hendricks? Uh, I understand. Sure, sure, it's all right. Bye. Sorry to have bothered you, Mrs. Horton. I I do like your house. If you ever change your mind about selling... Oh, we won't change our minds. Jim and I love this house. We've been very happy here. Goodbye. And I know we're going to be happy here. Again. Dr. Rollins? I haven't heard from you in the last few days. The last time we'd spoken, we discussed in detail your husband's future. Yes, it was your feeling. It wasn't very promising. My prognosis was negative. I was waiting for your decision. To end Jim's life? I wouldn't put it quite that way, Mrs. Horton. How would you put it, Doctor? I love Jim. He's the only one I have. Had a wonderful 13 years. Mrs. Horton. And I love Jim. Can you understand that, Doctor? I love him and he loves me. And I just can't turn away and tell you to let him die. Mrs. Horton, listen to me. I have the most profound respect for your feelings. It's painful for me, Jim's doctor, to have to explain to you the reasons to let him rest. Oh. To let him go. He can't ever be whole again. He can't come back to you. Yes, he can. He will. Jim is living. He will come back. Together, let no man put asunder. 
I now pronounce you man and wife. Dr. Rollins will see you now. Thank you. Right through that door, sir. Thank you. Uh, uh, Dr. Rollins? Yes. I'm Edwin Smith. Pastor of Old Clove Harbor Church. Oh, yes, Dr. Smith. Uh, come in. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, sit down, won't you? James and Judith Horton are members of your church, aren't they, Doctor? Why, yes, they are. I've known them a long time. As a matter of fact, I married them. It must be 13 years ago. Well, I know you're an old friend and their minister. That's why I asked you to come and see me. Well, if there's any way that I can help them... There is. As you know, James Horton was very seriously injured. Oh, yes, I know, no, that, 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 that terrible accident, the, the train, so many people died, so many injured. I, I, I called on Judith immediately after it happened. Jim was one of the lucky ones. He survived. No, he did not survive. He's alive, isn't he? Well, his heart is beating... I don't follow you. He was found in the wreckage of the train by a crew of paramedics. His heart had stopped beating. They applied the heart resuscitation techniques that they knew, and they got his heart beating again. He was rushed to the hospital and placed on life-sustaining equipment. Then he was saved. He's alive. His, his heart is beating, you said. His brain was denied blood for too long a period. It's not functioning. I see. How how long can Jim continue on his present course? Not his course. Our course. He has no control over what's done to him. You mean if the machinery was stopped? His heart would stop. Well, perhaps not immediately. In a few hours. I see. I need your help. I want you to talk to Judith. Make her see that she must request that Jim Horton be allowed to die. I, I, I don't know if I can ask that of her. To stop the help he is getting, to stop the machine, I, I, I'm afraid I'm unable to give her that advice. It's the only humane thing to do. I'm a man of God, Dr. Allens. I could not advise what you suggest. I'm sorry I can't help you. Good day. No, wait, don't go. Dr. Smith, I believe in God, too. But he's not an unfeeling God. He's a God of mercy. He wouldn't let us suffer needlessly, hopelessly. The holy words of the scriptures guide my actions. And mine, Reverend Smith. I know that keeping James Horton alive is a waste. It's denying to others the equipment that might save their lives. Forgive me. I, 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 I know you are a good man, and I understand your argument your plea, but I cannot do what you want me to do. I cannot give Judith the advice to end her husband's life. Thank you. 
Judy. I'm home. I'm in here, darling. Lying down? Hey, are you all right? Not not sick, are you? I never felt better in my life. I went to see the doctor this afternoon. What did he say? <laughs> what we expected him to say. And about time. It uh, looks like we're due for an increase in the size of the family. <laughs> Great. Oh, what wonderful news. Oh, we've waited so long. When? When, darling? Well, he figures that it'll arrive about June 1st. Our anniversary. Our fourth anniversary, June 1972. But he didn't guarantee that it would come right on the 1st of June. It might come early or, 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 or a week or two later. Or oh, a little fellow will be welcome whenever he comes. Or a little girl. Or a little girl. <laughs> oh, darling, this calls for a celebration. You get all dressed up. We're going to oh, go we're on. We're going to celebrate right here, darling. A, a nice, quiet evening sitting here and, and being calm and quiet. Calm and quiet? Mm, doctor's orders. He said the whole thing might be touch and go for a while. I, I've got to be careful. Oh, okay. We'll follow orders. We can hold hands, can't we? Oh, he specifically ordered me to hold hands. That's part... I don't understand this. Would you just please tell me why you've called? Well, 
it's, it's a little strange, the whole business, but I had to call you to, to find out something. Yes? A man rang my bell yesterday. It was about 6, 6.30. I was eating supper at the time. Yes? Well, I, I went to the door. The man was a total stranger. I asked him what he wanted. He said he was living there in my house. I don't see why you have to... Said his name was James Horton. What? Yeah, I was surprised, too. Said he lived at 325 Laurel. You saw Jim? 325 Laurel Drive is my house. The house you sold me five years ago. He thought he still lived there. Oh, no. No, I... This all struck me as mighty peculiar. When we closed the deal, the day I took title... To I don't know house, what you're talking about. Sold my house. Don't... You remember? You, you didn't want to sell it at first. Then you changed your mind. Mike Hendricks told me that you had to sell, needed the money to pay your bill. No, <laughs> Mr. Corber, I don't know you. I, I've never met you. I, I, I don't understand anything you're saying. Tim and I would never That's sell. That's what you said at the day in Mr. Hendricks' office. You said you wouldn't have sold the house if your husband was still alive. Would you please stop torturing me? Would you get off the phone and leave me alone? Don't you want to hear the whole story? You ought to be interested. Your husband came to my door. Uh, at least he told me he was Horton. I thought he was a phony at first. Hendricks told me he had died. But I began to believe him. That he was James Horton. I asked him to tell me why he'd come. What reason he had. He looked sick. Couldn't talk. And he wanted a glass of water. Motioned for me to give him a drink. I got a glass of water for him. But when I came back, he was gone. It was only about half a minute, but he was gone. Uh, you still on the line, Mrs. Hood? Yes. He couldn't have been who he said he was. It couldn't have been Mr. Horton. You got any explanation? No. Who was he? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Come in. Well, I was out shopping when you called. Amy just gave me the message. She said you sounded upset. Sweet mildly. Peggy, have you received a call from anyone asking for me from my telephone number? No. Someone looking for you? Do you know Mr. Corber? Harry Corber? No. Can't say I do. Well, he said he called you to get my number. And evidently he knows Mike, Mike Hendricks. Well, I never heard of a Harry Corber. Does Mike know him? I haven't asked Mike. Well, that's easy enough to find out. Just call him. Pick up the phone. And... Have you got his number? Yes, I've got it in the book. Well, call him. It's the craziest thing I ever heard of. But I haven't told you everything. He thinks... This Mr. Corber thinks... Wait a minute. Hello? Could, could I please speak to Mr. Hendricks? It's Judith Horton calling. He thinks he bought this house from me. What? Yes, five years ago. Well, he ought to be committed. Hello, Mike. I, I'm fine. Jim is still the same. Y yes, I know. Listen, Mike, the reason I called... Do you know a Mr. Harry Corber? You don't. Well, this is really getting strange. He never asked you to find a house for him? Now, wait a minute. He said that you sent him to look at this house several years ago. And that I said at that time I wasn't selling... You don't know him. 
You never send him to see me. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'm sorry to bother you. Goodbye. Judith, it seems to me this is a matter for the police. No, no, not the police. Well, this might be some kind of a con game. Just too incredible. He said he was living in this house and was calling me from 325 Laurel. But how could he be? And the reason for him calling me was that Jim had come to his house. This house? Jim. And was telling Mr. Corber that he, Mr. Corber, was an interloper. Well, don't you think Mr. Corber, this Mr. Corber, was trying to pull something, some sort of racket? Well, I, I think he was altogether sincere. He seemed just as confused as we are.
the soul of James Horton. Amen. Goodbye, my darling. I'll never forget you. Never, 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 those tin cans and wipe the just-married scribbles off the car. Oh, I don't mind everybody knowing we're just married. I'm proud of it. So am I, but I don't want to advertise. Come on. Will you come on? Where are you going? Well, to ask these people in the house here if they'll give me some water and a bucket to clean the car. Oh, we can't do that. Why not? They're very obliging people. But well, don't hang back. Now, come on. Do you know them? For sure. Known them a long time. What's your name? Jim and Judy Horton. What? It's ours, Judy. It's our house. If you want it. 325 Laurel Drive. Oh, Jim. Uh, our house. If you don't like oh, it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, what a surprise. You didn't read a word of it. <laughs> a wedding present, Judy. My wedding present to you. Oh, my darling. You want to go inside. Do we have time? There are people waiting for us. The reception dinner. Oh, let them wait. <laughs> We're the guests of honor, aren't we? Let them wait. <laughs> Into my arms, bride. Oh, you're going to carry over the threshold. Isn't that the proper thing to do? Oh, Jim, I love you. <laughs> and I love you, Judith. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. And ever. Hendricks said he'd drive me back after the closing on the house. Well, just don't forget we're expecting you over for dinner tonight. Your farewell dinner. Don't sound so sad. I won't be so far away. Cooperville. I'll come back and see you. You'll come and visit me. Mm, it won't be as close as next door. Judith, don't you feel a little sad about pulling up roots, selling the house and going away? Oh, of course. I'm going to miss you and Harold. Such good neighbors. I've got a lot of bills to pay, and the money the house will bring will pay them. Gosh, it's funny. I, I thought I'd never leave here. Jim and I were so happy here. And you were two people really made for each other. I used to tell Harold. We had 13 wonderful years. But he isn't really gone. He's with me now. In your memory? More than that. Jim is here. He's here. I've relived precious moments with him. Our life together is like an echo, repeating itself forever. I'll never be lonely. Jim will be at my side. restrictions of man-made time, a wonderful love that became a recurring echo into infinity. I'll be back shortly.